think I'm good. Am I on? I'm good? It's a different feeling when you're up here speaking instead of playing music. And being in your comfort zone, this has definitely taken me out. But uh, I found a theme with how Pastor Joe schedules my messages is I scheduled it for the parents the first time. Now I'm just speaking about the fathers. I don't know if the next one's going to be mothers and then siblings and then just never know. So I've just been scheduled for the fathers and happy Father's Day again to all of the fathers that are here. Um, and tonight I pray that we can also meet God our Father through this message. Um, I titled this message, In the Beginning God, and it's our Father's Day message for this year. Um, how many of you guys recognize, oh, I skipped one, recognize this painting? How many of you guys recognize this? I feel like everybody should recognize this. Feel free to raise your hands. Um, this is the Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa was between, painted between 1509 to 1519 and it hangs in the Louvre in France. And the Louvre is one of the world's most visited museums, attracting 10.2 million people a year. About 80% are believed to come just to see the Mona Lisa. So, and it is also worth $867 million. It's a lot of money. Uh, we're gonna look at a couple art pieces. If you didn't know, I'm an art major. I was an art major, I studied art. So when I reference like art and I reference books, it's just coming from the artistic creative side of me. So, uh, anybody know this painting? I got a little less hands, a little less hands. Vincent Van Gogh, Vince said it, Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, this is uh, The Starry Night. It was painted in 1889, and it is worth $100 million. Well, these paintings are worth a lot of money, old, timely paintings. Um, and the last one, I'm going to see... I think only one person will probably get it in this room, but we'll see. You guys might surprise me. If every hand goes up, I'm gonna be surprised. Anybody know this painting? Anybody? Nobody? I got one? Oh, this is my painting, yes. No, it's not my painting. No, it is not mine. This is a, a Jackson Pollock painting. It's named number five. He names his paintings by numbers. It's a very strange uh, thing that he does. It was painted in, 1948, what he does is he drips paint over a canvas, like he has a big canvas on the ground and he just throws, splatters paint all over it. It was sold in 2006 for $140 million. So, so now you might be wondering, why am I asking you guys this? What am I going to do with these three paintings? Why am I discussing these things? Actually, I'm gonna take an audience poll first. Who finds the Mona Lisa the most artistic, most creative painting? Uh, feel free to raise your hands. I only got one. <laughs> Two, three, don't be afraid. I won't bite. Four, okay, about four. How about uh, number two, Starry Night? Wow, that's a lot of people. There we go. And number three. Oh, yes, I'm not alone. Number three. That was one of my favorites, actually. Um, but I probably will be asking more questions, so please don't uh, be afraid to raise your hand or participate when I'm asking. So um, number three is actually one of my favorite paintings. Um, art is a very unique concept, sometimes even super hard to explain. Nobody really knows what true art is. Art could look different to each and every person. Like we've noticed, some people like Mona Lisa, some people like Starry Night. Some people even like number five. Um, 
but each art piece has a master creator behind it all. All three pieces of art are historic in their own right, but one of my absolute favorites is the number five by Jackson Pollock. Why? You must be asking, Michael, you're crazy. That's just a bunch of scribbles. Anyone can do that. But one thing that strikes me about any Jackson Pollock painting that he's ever done is the detail that goes into every brushstroke, every drip of paint, every single drop of paint, every color choice. It's intentional. The color choice, every drop on where it is placed on the canvas, the way they are layered, everything that is formed through this painting, the yellow, the reds. He might have used red for anger. He might have used red, red for hate. He used yellow. Maybe he was eating a hot dog and wanted mustard. I don't know. He could have he used literally anything, any reason to paint this. Um, but it was intentional. There's a reason behind each and every brushstroke. Um, all three of these paintings are beautiful in their own way. Likewise, we are created uniquely, one-of-a-kind beings created by an almighty, all-powerful God. So as beautiful as the art pieces, let us not forget the creator behind each and every creation. And that's what I'm going to be tackling tonight. God as a creator. So let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this time to uh, tackle your word, God. We thank you for uh, who you are, that you've created each and every one of us. And we are here tonight, God, to listen to your word. Uh, use me as your vessel, God, to deliver your message. Um, for us to open our eyes and our hearts to uh, what you have in store for us, God. I pray that we can see you as our creator, as our Lord, as our Savior, God, um, through these words that you have in store. And it's in your son's precious name. Amen. So, I have four points tonight. Hopefully, I get through them fast. Um, in the beginning, God, creation turned idolatry. Jesus, the author and perfecter, and one of my favorite bands, All Sons and Daughter. Um, but it's also in scripture, so I'm going to use that. All right. Uh, we're all going to read this verse together in the beginning, God. Genesis 1-1. Uh, let's read this together. 3-2-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. In the beginning. Some of the most powerful words in scripture. But let me read to you uh, some works of literature that you guys might be familiar with. I know this side of the room probably will know this. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four, Privet Drive, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Anybody know where that's from? Dustin, Dustin please. Harry Potter, the Philosopher's Stone. That's the first line of Harry Potter. All right, a little bit more of a challenge. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund and Lucy. Narnia. Oh, I got the answer from the front row. Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And the last one, call me Ishmael. Who knows this one? That's Moby Dick. Wow, we got some book readers, bookworms in this room. But anything, everything is toppled. Every good introduction is toppled by, in the beginning, God. That's the most, that should be the most powerful introduction of all of history. If we talk about most impactful introductions to any story, this has to be number one. These four words should ring as some of the most important words in the Bible. Some of, some of you may think that there are four forward phrases that have more of, of a significant value, like, I am the way, or thou shalt not kill. 
And while these words carry deep significance, these four words lay the foundation of what is to come in the rest of history. His artistic masterpiece is laid out in these four words, in the beginning, God. Think what the Bible is about. God, it's the story of his design, a perfect world with amazing, tangible glory. It's the story of his people, a race of creation that rebelled and destroyed everything good. It's the story of his redemption, a plan to rescue, repair, reconcile, and restore. Those are my own words. That's from Paul David Tripp, one of my favorite authors. Reading through the creation story, God creates light, the sky, dry land, sea, plants, and trees, the sun and the moon, creatures that lived in the sea and creatures that can fly, and finally, animals that lived on the lands along with the creation of man and everything that God made was good. Just read through the first page of your Bible, through Genesis 1, and you will see this creation story. But what made man stand out from the rest of creation? So let's look at Genesis 1, 27. Oh, there it is. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created from the very beginning he was and is in the process of creating. And I'll get to the is of the creation later. Uh, creation is an act of God alone by which, for his own glory, he brings into existence everything in the universe. Things that had no existence prior to his creative word. From nothing he created everything. According to Makoto Fujimura in his book, Art Plus Faith, A Theology of Making, he, along with other Hebraic scholars, attest that God the creator sang the creation into being, that creation is more about poetic utterances of love rather than about industrial efficiency, a mechanism for being, as many Western commenters may, may assume. Each piece of our beautiful creation was made with intention rather than the machine idea that some pieces are valued more than others. God, as in an omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresent, all-present created, omnipresent being created everything from the utterance of nothing. Without the words of God, creation does not exist. Now as people, there is something unique about our creation story. We are created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And that's what I've been telling everybody since the beginning of the year. That's like my theme of how I wrapped 2021. It's like I picked some key words and Imago Dei, the image of God, was the one that stuck out to me. And I really love that picture that we are created in the image of God. This term not only is, or was only specifically used for humans, which si signifies the symbolic relationship and connection between God and humanity. And in 1 Peter 1.16, it says, For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. We are set apart. We are unique beings created differently from all the things that God created. We um, were created in the image of God, so we must be set apart. Um, so the world tells us, it's my life. I'll do as I wish. But going back to the first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God shows us that our lives actually don't belong to us at all. It's actually God's. If God was first, our lives have never actually belonged to us. If we believe everything in scripture, if God was in the beginning, then our lives actually never belong to us. 
it was his to begin with if he was at the start. Like Vince said in his prayer, he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. And the concept of time that we have, beginning, we can't even fathom what beginning is to God. His beginning, we can't understand. It's his own timing. You and I don't have the right to think, desire, act, and speak if it, is, if it does. So to truly be the Imago Dei, the image of God, we must be a reflection of his character and who he is. So as fathers, a lot of fathers are creative. If you didn't know that, you guys are really creative. You guys are handymen. You guys work. You guys use your hands to build. Um, you guys use your hands to fix. You guys use your hands to praise and create music and all these things. You, you guys are creatures of creation. You guys can create. Same with every person in this room. We are creatures of creation. And that's one of the characters of God that we can see just at the beginning of the Bible. He created and we can create as well. But it should be for the right purpose. And we'll tackle that in a few. Um, so going to Psalm 139, 13 through 16. This tackles the point of our lives never actually belong to us. Uh, verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That first part, for you were created in my inmost being. You can see I am created in the image of God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He knew you were going to be knit together in your mother's womb. He already knew who you were going to be by the time you were born. So he has a creative mind. He has a creative idea, and he always puts that into fruition. Um, but you know how man is, and we start to turn uh, our creations into idolatry. Creation turned idolatry. Uh, so creatures created by God now begin to create things. Adam begins to name the animals. You see the creation of Noah's Ark. Um, and then you get into Exodus, and you read about the creation of a golden calf. There are things in our lives that we create that we can turn into idols. These things that we believe is ours become our idols, our vices that we hold on to. It's my money. That's my music. It's a sense of ownership that we as humans love to hold on to. But we're going to look at the account of the golden calf. So please turn with me. Uh, to uh, Exodus 32, 1 through 6. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, please turn with me there. Exodus 32, 1 through 8. Beginning in verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this, Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel. You brought 
Who brought you up out of the land of Egypt? When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed it to, to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. As the people began to wait for Moses, Moses' return from Mount Sinai, they grew impatient. They started to create using their own gold earnings, own, their own gold earrings to fashion up an idol in the shape of a golden calf. They began to worship it, sacrifice burnt offerings to it, and they believed it was their God. Sometimes the things we hold precious to us, the things we begin to fashion, we think belong to us. We might be building something and you might think, that's my doing, this is mine, this is my creation. That's what the people of Egypt did. They started building, they started thinking that it was theirs, that it was their God. That's what they should be worshiping to. But they forgot the words of God from the uh, previous verses of the Bible. Um, so what are the things you have in your life you feel you have placed before God? What are the things that you're building that you feel like you have placed before God? Is it your money? Is it your possessions? Is it your career? Is it even your own life? God tells us in Luke 14, 26 that, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. So we must turn away from the idols we have in our life and run back to the Father. But ultimately, the things we create should, they should be, and always be for the glory of God. We are his creation, fully owned by him, not for the benefit to bring glory to ourselves, but to point to the Father above. Our God is a jealous God. He doesn't want his creation serving anything other than himself. Now you may think, doesn't that make God selfish? Everything is all about God. Well, yes, everything is about God because he was there even before the creation of the world. So for us to even exist in an act of selflessness on God's part, he really doesn't need us, but created us out of love. God has never been lonely. Genesis makes it clear that even before creation, the triune God existed already in community. God is also self-existent, meaning that God does not require anything other than God's own existence for completeness. So that just shows he really doesn't need us. God created in order to make God's own signature for our journey. He sang creation into being and invited God's creatures to sing with God. So like Joe was saying, we walk we walk, and, the Father, and God is along with us. He's there with us side by side. He's walking with us. Um, so in Exodus 34, 14, in the NLT version, you must worship no other gods for the Lord. Oh, oops. You must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous above his relationship with you. He is a jealous God. And you know what jealousy happens. Stuff starts to stir up when somebody's jealous, and we don't want that to happen. So when I look at art and the purpose I create, either it be through the photographs I take, through 
the videos that I'd be making and the poems and slides or songs that I've been writing, whatever it may be, should be to bring glory to God and for the ones that are lost to point people to the Creator. God gave each and every one of us skills, talents, um, things that we do in our life, and those should ultimately be used to glorify the Father. So in Luke, oh, I guess I don't have this verse up here. Let's go to Luke 15, 11 through 24. And it wouldn't be a Father's Day message if I didn't bring up the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son, 15, 11 through 24. The parable of the prodigal son. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and then felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Amen. So in this story, we can see that we can be in the worst possible position. We can be down in the ruts with the pigs. We can be eating fodder. But we can ultimately get up, stand up, turn to the father, and run to him. Um, and then we will celebrate together. They, he welcomes him in with open arms, with the best of the best. And we should be running to the Father in that same way. And how do we get to the Father? Well, we go through Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12.2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we need to be looking to Jesus to see the Father. Look to Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the one we should be looking towards for our source of inspiration and the perfect example of how, as Christians, we should live. How can you know somebody's father? Ask me, and I will tell you everything I know about my dad. Ask though, he will tell you everything he knows about his dad. Ask any of the children, they will tell you everything they know about the father. If I were to ask anyone in this room, you could tell me something about your father. May it be good or bad. It's going to be something. But reading through the Bible, we can get an understanding of who God the Father is 
and we can see him through his son, Jesus. Jesus, the one who created wine from water, created a multitude of fish and bread from very few, and even created life from death. We must follow his example in being obedient to the Father's will. He did everything according to the plan of the Father, being obedient even to the point of death. So Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Please turn with me there if you haven't already. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians 2, 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any conform, any conf- comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of other. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You can see that he was honoring the Father in this. He did everything to honor the Father, even to the point of death. As creation formed in the image of an almighty God and Jesus being God in human flesh, we must come to know more about Jesus, continuing to learn more about the author of the Bible and the author and the perfecter of faith through Jesus. So if we know that God wrote the Bible and Jesus is God, Jesus is part writing the Bible. He's the word himself. 2 Corinthians 5:17 Therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come So going back to art the canvas of your life that was once dirty that was once stained with hate rage anger all the bad things that you've possibly could think of has been washed clean through the blood of Jesus Christ Our old life has passed away, it's dead. Now in this new life with Christ, he can create a new masterpiece in and through you. The things that defiled us, hate, lust, anger, rage, are all erased, and now we can fill our canvas with the fruits of the Spirit. We are a new creation in Christ, and if you have not accepted him as your Lord, I pray that you might, you do this tonight. Pray that your hearts will be open to receiving that message. Though that canvas that we can continue to paint, we can fill it with love, we can fill it with joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. We can continue to layer and layer on those things that God has told us to layer our canvas with. Continue to put new uh, drops, new strokes onto your canvas and continue to form a masterpiece that God has already set before you. So let's turn to Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. 
think I'm missing a couple verses in this, so I'll look through the Bible. Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, we did talk about this with Pastor Joe. Or have we? Not yet. We're going to get there. So hopefully I didn't steal any message ideas from him. So Ephesians 4, 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to re be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We are set apart in God, in Jesus. We are new creations. The old has gone, the new has come. And that makes us all sons and daughters of the one true God. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We are his masterpiece. God, like I said earlier, God really doesn't need us. He is self-sufficient and doesn't need us, but created us out of love. Look, we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. It's an act of lug, love, lug, love, the use of broken vessels, us, we are broken vessels, which is perfect because we're singing that song. I'm, I'm glad how God worked things out, right? He works everything out in mighty ways. So we are broken vessels to bring glory back to him. We would not be here if it wasn't for the loving nature of God and his love for his creation and his love to create. Our worth, in contrast to the paintings from earlier, are priceless. Our worth is priceless. We can't put a price on what we are worth. We are not worth the Mona Lisa. We're far more worth than that. We are priceless. We cannot put a price on what God has done for us through his son, Jesus. Jesus paid it all. He took it all, bore our sins for us. Being completely God in the form of man, did it all for his creation here on earth. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We are going to be sons and daughters of the Lord Almighty. Through the blood of Jesus, we can be sons and daughters to the Father. So I pray that we can take that. We can always look to the beginning to see in the beginning God, and then we can go through Jesus. We are sons and daughters of the Father. Some of you might not have a father, but you do. If you know Jesus, you will know the Father. So as we're starting to wrap up. I think that was pretty short. I don't know. It's pretty good. <laughs> the happiest short. Uh, we'll be in store for, I give you extra 15 minutes next week. I'll pass it on to you. Uh, we have a father up above that has the ownership over us. He created us after all. Before our existence, he knew us. Just like the brush strokes of a Jackson Pollock, knowing the intention and every detail of every stroke God knows every detail of our life, even down to the number of hairs on our head. And as fathers, I know we're losing them, but he knows every single count of them. <laughs> I tried. I, I know how you feel when you try to do a joke and that it doesn't land, but it's okay. He does know the number of head, hairs on your head. He will be our father, and to know our father, we must turn to Jesus continue to know more about Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Through him we will know the Father. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. So let us continue to create like God the Father is a creator. Let's continue to create. Create to glorify the Father. We all have different talents. We might be really good at drawing, sculpture, singing, even creating relationships with others. You are creating bonds, um, and you might be outgoing. We are unique, one-of-a-kind creations. There is no one else like you, but there is one that knows you far better than anyone here on earth, and that is your Father up in heaven. Create and bring the honor and glory back to God. And if we start to forget why or question our existence, let's all look back to the beginning, the beginning of history and the beginning of his story. In the beginning, God. I'm going to read a poem from Paul David Tripp. He says, Before the world was formed, God was. Before the sun, moon, and stars lit up the sky, God was. Before the first flower bloomed, God was. Before the first fruit grew on a tree, God was. Before the first wing of an eagle flapped, God was. Before the first muscle of a gazelle leaped, God was. Before the first gill of a fish opened up, God was. Before that first golden sunset, before that first drenching monsoon, before that first crash of thunder, before that first gust of wind, before that first fall of snow, God was. Before Adam experienced breath in his lungs, before he experienced grass beneath his feet, before he experienced light in his eyes, before he experienced taste on his tongue, before he experienced sound in his ears, before Adam ever laid eyes on the beauty of his wife Eve, before they walked, talked, laughed, hugged, kissed, loved, God was. Before the first family, house, village, or government, before the first anything, God was. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time to know you as creator. You've made each and every one of us here in this room, God. You formed us in our mother's womb. You've put us together uh, to be your masterpiece, God. Each and every one of us unique in our own right. Our feet, our hands, our eyes, our nose, the number of hairs on our head, God. You know every detail of our inmost being, God. You know everything in this world, God. I pray that we can come to know you better as we continue to read through scripture, God. We continue to learn more about your son, uh, the author and perfecter of our, our faith. Through Jesus and his blood, God, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for raising us up to know you, God, to be the ultimate artist, God, that we can look to you, we can continue to create, to glorify you alone, God. Let us not take the glory for ourselves, but to point people to the creator, God. We pray that we can all be um, glorifying you, God, through the things that we do in our lives, God. Continue to mold us and use us in a mighty way. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.